0: everyone. And and that only took about I don't know, 4 minutes and definitely not 65 minutes.
1: Oh, it was easily 90 minutes. Yeah, that was a that was a big process. So let me,
0: let me tell you guys if you guys are ever going to work with uh,
1: sound recording
0: software, uh take yourself an adivan before you do it. 2 milligram. 4.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Have the 4.
1: You should have the 4.
0: Yeah, you should have the 4. So uh what we're really basically both been interested in, uh, all week is, uh, this thematic thing of, um, major depressive disorder, uh, and the, and how it's continual or on a continuum. What's the proper conjugation of con- continuous? I, is it continuum? Continui? That's plural. Continualius.
1: <laughs> That's Okay.
0: Yeah, we'll take that. I'm going to make up words a whole lot, so you guys are going to get used to that. But uh, we we base basically what um, what we did our homework on was uh, on uh, uh, major depressive disorder uh, lectures from Dr. Robert Sapolsky from Stanford University, who is brilliant and uh, that beard. First of all, can we just comment on Sapolsky's beard for a second?
1: He looks like any random guy that you'd see in a laundromat on a Sunday afternoon.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And not a nice laundromat. No,
1: the seedy seedy laundromat.
0: It's, it's bad. They only take nickels. Actually, you put the dollar in the machine, it gives (laughs) you nickels. It's weird. You don't want to go there. But anyway, he's a, he's a neurobiologist. He teaches, uh, uh, behavioral evolution from a number of different perspectives at Stanford university. Um, you can find him on YouTube and the link is something that I don't remember, but uh, Robert Sapolsky, little Polish name. You're going to want to get involved in him. I've been listening to him for a number of years. He's uh, one of the most brilliant lecturers I've ever heard. But he did this lecture on major depressive disorder, and he basically started out the entire, uh, you know, 55 minute affair by coming to the conclusion that major depression is a biochemical disorder with a genetic component with early exposure that makes a person unable to appreciate sunsets.
1: Yeah, we're talking early exposure like uh, perhaps some type of um, violence, um, abuse, neglect, something that would kind of add to that ACEs score that I think we maybe touched on, and if we haven't, we're certainly going to be. Yeah, we'll talk about ACEs. ACES is so key to adding up and, and really being to identify a lot of the victims that are falling into these um major depressive disorders, but really across the spectrum of a number of things that are going wrong with people mentally and emotionally.
0: Right. And and as, as a society, we um we use the word depression pretty loosely, but we're not talking about depression, like a traumatic event happens to you, a loss of a job, a loss of a child, a loss of a spouse, something like that. And you come out the other side and you're okay. What we're talking about is major depressive disorder where we've got these, uh, these components that are, these things happen to you, and you fall into a deep depression and you stay that way for months or nothing at all happens to you. And this is all a chemical thing that's taking place and you stay that way for months, sometimes cyclically. Uh, and, and it's, uh, uh, that's like the technical definition for, um, major depressive disorder. And I guess coming, coming right out of the gate on it, um, you see a lot of these features with major major depressive disorder uh they call it uh anhedonia uh hedonism i i think greek um meaning um uh pleasure so anhedonia means the inability to feel pleasure and i know that most of us have gotten to the point uh in life where we're unable to feel pleasure from anything at all even if it's happening right now At this table?
1: Well, you know, I think Sapolsky put it really well in the contrast that he drew between people that are suffering from, you know, anhedonia or a major depressive disorder. And that when you look at people that are suffering from terminal conditions, such as, you know, let's say cancer, for instance, those people can get together, and as they're reconciling their condition, maybe they're, they understand that it's not going to be much longer, and they're, in a way, the way Sapolsky put it, happy that it happened, almost in a sense that they were able to reconcile a relationship with their family or their God or whatever it is that they, they found identity with there in their last days, and they're like, you know, I really would have never appreciated all of these things had I not have known or had some designed end for myself you don't see that with major depressives they just can't appreciate anything
0: yeah because at that point it's not because it, it's it's not let me let me let me back up a little bit it's not always because of a situational thing that's happening to them sometimes we have a chemical or metabolic uh, differentiation from what is considered quote unquote normal sometimes these guys uh you'll see them with uh you, you see these guys with seasonal affective disorder or something like that because uh major depressive disorder is oftentimes but not always cyclical will will uh will be okay during the springtime and in the fall and then, then we get to this uh this time around uh december to february where uh, we're we're artificially creating this subset called seasonal affective disorder but honest to god what it really is is just another dip in that major depressive disorder scale that these guys are having to suffer suffer with every day and sometimes they don't have to do it for months at a time but you, you know, you if you do a long term case study on these guys, you'll see that regardless of what it has, what has happened in their lives over the past ten years, sometimes it's nothing. But every December to February, these guys are going to be in a in a state of despair, and for lack of a better word, major depressive
1: state. Yeah, you see a lot of that, I think, uh, based around the holidays, too. I mean, certainly the suicide rate increases. You have people that have poor relationships, and they're in the dynamic where everyone around them is celebrating the holidays or times with their family, and they don't have that, and they're even more isolated during those times. An interesting study, you know, what do you think um, the study proved to have a really high suicidal rate nationally Isaac,
0: I, I familiar with the research there. Most people like to think that uh, we have the highest suicidality rate during the holidays, but uh, the research shows time and time again that uh, for whatever reason, we have the highest suicidality rate here in the United States in the month of June.
1: Yeah, you know, if you keep saying suicidality, we're probably going to get a lot of emails on that. They're going to be mad about it.
0: We're getting emails already.
1: <laughs> right. It's so fine. the study showed, um, at surprisingly, Seattle. Because if you look at, you know, climate-wise, they have more overcast days per year in Seattle just because of the way the fronts roll in. They're on the coast, and there's more rain, and there's more dreary days, which I love. That's sleeping weather. But they're seeing it differently. They're not you know, perhaps getting the same amount of vitamin D. There's the same depressive kind of kept inside environmental thing that they're experiencing. The suicide rate for years was number one in, in Seattle, Washington.
0: See, I didn't know that. But you and I have had just in passing and over a beer and a cigarette before uh about okay, when i switched to night shift you were talking about you know the the risks involved of switching to night shift expand on that in terms of in terms of vitamin d and and, and that kind of thing
1: vitamin d is uh, is an integral component for a number of biochemical reactions that happen in the body people it's been shown that people that don't engage in at least an hour of sunlight a day uh, have a higher rate of depression and it doesn't really take that much you know naturally for your body to get enough vitamin D to be able to process the calcium that's necessary for you to maintain a a good homeostatic basis. But when you're absent of that sunshine and you're working nights, it's been shown that 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 major depressive disorder is more common in those people, those night shift workers.
0: You know, I got to say that I've worked for the better part of a decade um, in the day shift, while all these psychotic patients are awake demanding sun butter and throwing punches at me. But, uh, the last couple of months has been the first time in my life where I've worked night shift and I can definitely te- tell a biochemical difference in, uh, my level of, uh, of, serotonin and dopamine Absolutely. Like in my body it, it, and like I, I wouldn't exactly consider myself a, a high functioning zero risk for depression kind of a guy but uh i can definitely tell that there's been an uptick in in symptoms of major depressive disorder since i've switched to night shift you, you you know you you don't you don't see those
1: you know, for as much as I think that we hate to sit in traffic and we hate to sit in, you know, whatever retail place we go to to shop after work and, oh, I'm sitting in line and it took me 20 minutes to get out of Walmart with my dinner. Those are things I think that are necessary. and I think things that we really appreciate more than we really give stock to. When you're um, that night shift worker, you're, you're, you're going into the market at 8, 830 in the morning and you're buying your things and even then, it's isolated. There's a few people in the store. Um, no one's there to check out your stuff. It doesn't seem like there's any hurry to do anything. I
0: prefer the self-checkout anyway. <laughs>
1: right. Yeah, I, I, for whatever reason, whatever that looks like, and, and you know, you may relish it for a while. You'd be like, man, there's nobody in line. There's no cars on the street. And this just, is
0: really nice.
1: I'm able to get through my day and look, look at me saving all this time and getting these things done. But I think a deep down inside of us, we really want to be in those crowds we want to be involved in the hustle and bustle to some degree. And, and it, it is satisfying to that little bit of inner inner mind of ourselves of like, hey, I'm, I'm taking part in something. I'm with my peers. I'm, I'm participating. And that night shift thing, it, I think, uh, although it, for some people it's fantastic. For others, it's not really. And even in those I think that take stock in it over a period of time begin to understand what they're really missing.
0: Right. I, I, I don't miss people. You love people. Come on. Well, I love you, Jody. <laughs>
1: right. You know, I think if, if you can just love a couple of people, it's fine.
0: I love a couple of people. There you go. And that's about the extent of my love.
1: I, I do not necessarily love crowds. And certainly uh, younger, I, I relished getting out and getting in the crowd and feeling that sense of... Uh, Social awareness that you get in that group mentality of enjoying things or even suffering. And and it's just that something that you participate in that's larger than yourself. And uh, it's special. I don't know that having probably certainly since COVID taking part in some of those things, how much I really miss it, but I am looking forward to maybe getting back into it a little bit.
0: Wait, are we having an epidemic right now?
1: Uh, That's what the paper says. I don't know. I'm a nurse, so I go to work every day and I go to the store every day and no one seems to tell me any differently.
0: That's fake news, Jody. You know that as well as I do. That's a democratic hoax.
1: So, Uh, you know, getting back to Zapolsky and the lecture that he he was putting out and and for anyone that wants to find this, it's on YouTube, it's on Spotify, it's widely available and I would certainly encourage everyone to go out there. It's on
0: Hotmail, it's on MySpace. (laughs) It's it's everywhere. It's on Angel Fire.
1: and, And the guy's just brilliant and... For one person to have such a concentrate of knowledge and, and to be so passionate about it, I think it's it's just wonderful. But some of the things that, that he brought forth in the lecture that Isaac and I are really focusing on today, it was a lecture in Stanford. I think it's like 52 minutes or so. Give or take. And it's more information that you could probably process in, in 24 hours. Boy, he
0: really is a good lecturer. He's so good. And, you know, I never see him look down at his notes. No, no. It's, it's all something he just draws up it's all out of his own mind you know you know it can be sometimes tangential but if you follow him you follow him
1: that's how you know you know that he knows sort of he's very comfortable in, in the way that he's delivering this information he's very certain he's very confident in his position it's just to listen to that i think m- opens up so much more perspective for a person whether they, they suffer from major depressive disorder or not, maybe they know someone, you know?
0: Right. And, and a thing about uh, major depressive disorder that he, uh, that he pointed out, and I, when he points something out, I undoubtedly believe that he is very familiar with the research, if not involved in the research himself, um, uh, is something that he referred to as uh, vegetative symptoms. And which sounds good. Cause I, I like a good cucumber. I like vegetables. I mean, uh, what's your least favorite vegetable?
1: Least favorite? Uh, probably eggplant. It's just weird. Right. Uh, well you gotta have it in Chinese food, <laughs> even Chinese food, the texture of that. I'm just out. I'm right. out on that. Planet. All right. That'd be the end of our podcast here.
0: We can't talk about it I'm anymore. Sorry for he's... all of you people
1: who love eggplant out there. I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah.
0: But, uh, these, 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 these eggplant vegetative symptoms <laughs> that he's, uh, that he's talking about is, uh, you know, you usually, you know, the, the cliché is that we associate people that are, that are uh, majorly depressed, uh, clinically majorly depressed, will sleep a lot. But what you actually see in the research is these guys are actually waking up very early. These guys are waking up at, a, at an ungodly hour. Let's say we're going to bed at 10 p.m., uh, like you do or like you do. I don't, I'm just getting started.
1: Yeah. I like to really consider a full night's sleep. Like, I don't know, like 11 to four days, okay. 11 I, to four days. I would like to sleep longer. I dude, The, these guys that get
0: their Zyprexa and their Haldol and they sleep for <laughs> their 11 to four days, yeah, 11 I'm, to four days. I'm just frustrated because I'm jealous uh, of them. I slept eleven three hours today. And you know, that's a pretty good amount. Is yeah, we had to turn you so you didn't get bed sores. <laughs> right.
1: Got the compression socks on, I'm just like all <laughs> running, you know.
0: So, but you, you'll you see with the vegetated symptoms of uh, of uh, major depressive disorder is uh, these guys are waking up at 3, 4, 5 a.m. So they've got these severe sleep disturbances, and and what you're seeing when w- in these studies when you see people with major depressive disorder is that uh, they're uh, you know, you, you get a you get a for lack of a better word, normal person, and you put them in a sleep a sleep study, and you see them drift from one phase of sleep to another, and everything is nice little waves, and you know your your sines and cosines, and they're and they're pretty nice. But with these major depressive disorder guys, you'll see um, you'll see jumping in and out of one phase of sleep within fifteen minutes of one another. The, there's this whole complete disorganization with the with the phases of the brain waves that are going on when they're sleep because when they are actually sleeping, it's pretty shitty.
1: Yeah, and it's I mean, shitty sleep. It really is, and and it it plays out. You can see that in in their behavior even when they're awake. They're right. fatigued. They're they're slow to respond. They're disorganized in their speech.
0: Because when they, when they wake up from a night like this, where you're just bouncing around like a ping pong ball between your different phases of sleep, and not in any particular order, it's more exhausting after they've slept than when they wake up. So that is one of those things you see these major sleep disturbances is that in an early waking time. That's that's a that's a feature that you wouldn't think that you would come across because, you know, uh, the lay people will associate. Uh, 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 depression is a whole lot of sleep well not necessarily because most of these guys are actually not getting enough sleep and they're waking up too early and then then they just wake up and they just pace around and ruminate and drink Folgers decaffeinated crystals
1: yeah and even you know when they're sleeping the quality of sleep is so poor and then when they do wake up early they just really sit around in some cases and just ruminate for hours aren't really active doing anything I know I sure do you do that anyway.
0: That's true. I, I ruminate and I'm not really active unless I'm at work. <laughs> right. And a lot of times while I am at work I'm ruminating and not very active. Classic. Yeah.
1: And you know, and I, I think that, that what that really states is when we look at someone who's in that, let's say, you know, for whatever reason they fall into this depressive disorder and let's we'll say it's it's environmental. Something's happened, um, they can't get past it. It's an unresolved grief issue um, that that ends up rolling into larger issues. Maybe if they're drinking now, or they've lost a child, or a job, or all of those things are kind of just wound into one. They lost their child, drinking job. They're <laughs> Their child drinking job, Isaac. But you know, you start to see these people, and what you what you see is they're they're and and many times lying. In bed, they're not necessarily responsive they just they just don't want to take part in anything. They can't identify with anything or anyone. Nothing sounds good. nothing sounds fun. You can't get them to p- take part in anything, no matter what it is because it's hard it is hard, which
0: brings us to our other symptom, this sepolskyan esque uh symptom of major depressive disorder is something that he is uh, referring to as psychomotor retardation, uh, which is mostly the way that he characterized it in the lecture that we've been. And we'll probably put a link up to this thing uh, in the lecture uh, that Jody and I did our homework on was uh, uh, a, a, a neurological symptom of the inability to do the laundry
1: yes i love his reference to that
0: yeah because the laundry's a lot and then, and it piles up and and it, you know i watched my partner do it today and you know sometimes i take it for granted i didn't know how many calories it spent to think about doing the laundry before she actually did the laundry
1: did she wash the towels with the black stuff did 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 the towels get washed she, she said she said You're she gonna be picking town. those little cotton things off all your black shit yeah
0: yes yeah, so i do own a lot of black fabric me too that's I mean, true yeah but uh, uh, and i get that is what you get your your psychomotor retardation this is when you see those guys that even after they've had their disrupted sleep patterns at early waking time and uh, uh this term that you see with um with uh, pregnant females, uh, they call it um, a segmented sleep. When you start, when your body starts getting into that rhythm of, I'm ready to have a baby, I need to start waking up every two hours. This segmented sleep with folks with uh, major depressive disorder. Uh, uh- Can you know on that, Isaac? Go ahead. I don't
1: know what the big deal is. Having the babies looks easy. Is it just me?
0: No, honestly, any woman that's ever had a baby is just whining, right?
1: It seems like a lot of complaining.
0: No, it's fine. I've had hangnails that looked like they were worse than that. Easily. There's some serious glaring happening in this room. I think the dog might be having a baby right now. The
1: dog is just so bad.
0: Uh, Jody, I'm telling you right now, I'm not editing out that dog. No, don't. Please don't. It's not going to happen (laughs) because, you know, we want to capture the realism here. You know, Uh,
1: but on, on your point of the psychomotor retardation, I think, and he made the example of laundry and... Yeah, you gotta get the change together. You gotta find the basket. You gotta sort it out. Heaven forbid you don't wash the blacks with the towels, and you want to, you know, actually get it all done. And then, oh my God, I gotta dry these things too. I'm gonna
0: throw it all in together and hit the colors button. (laughs) Right, slow cycle delicates. Dude, I don't care. I'm trying to get that laundry done.
1: But then I gotta dry it. I mean, it's just so much. Yeah, it's it's too much. I gotta
0: dig this heavy clothes from the washer. And then put it in the dryer, and that's like, you know, to a normal, and 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 every time I say normal, I'm putting the quotation marks around it. Uh, To a quote normal person, you know, you you dig the wash out of the dryer, and everything's fine. But you know, to someone who's who's severely depressed, you just open that washer and you look at it, and you just anticipate the amount of calories that it's going to take. To dig it out of there, and it's just, it seems hopeless.
1: It's like, I think I'll just go back to bed.
0: I'll just go back to bed. This stuff is going to mold and stagnate in here. And you know what? I don't really need that Guns N' Roses shirt anymore.
1: I was, I'm not even going to wear it.
0: I mean, I'm a big fan of Appetite for Destruction. It's, one of, the, it's one of the greatest albums, rock and roll.
1: Of all time. It Re- really is. What's your song on there? What's your track?
0: Oh, uh, You Could Be Mine. That's not
1: even on that album.
0: It's on that album. It's, it's a B-side. It's a B-side. If I'm, if I'm wrong, I'll eat my hat. Mm-hmm. Prepare for the email, sir. I'll prepare for eating a
1: hat. And the, the correct answer was Rocket Queen.
0: It was on Rocket Queen?
1: No, that's, that was the correct answer to the best track on oh, appetite.
0: Okay, well, You Could Be Mine, and I, and I have a bias towards it because my favorite movie of all time is Terminator 2 Judgment Day. Yeah. And that's what he's listening to when he's riding his dirt bike, is you could be mine.
1: Prepare for the emails.
0: That's fine. You guys can spam me all day long. I've got all kinds of emails. I've got NFL shop emails. There you go. Uh, I got an email informing me that I'd been uh, accepted as a member into the Church of Satan. Um, you throw what you will at me in my emails.
1: I think it's going to be fine.
0: Yeah, it's going to be fine. Guns Roses fans aren't that hardcore anyway. I mean, let's face it. They're still got, like, MySpace pages and shit. Oh, my God. (laughs) Zanga. (laughs) Uh, And, you know, uh, uh, Sapolsky touched on this really cool thing that, um, you know, uh, last week we were talking about the difference between our, our, uh, you know, our continuum of folks that are... Suicidal, and we were talking about we use this word completers, and uh, you don't see actually a lot of suicide completers who are in their worst stages of psychomotor retardation because, uh, it, you know maybe maybe the thing that I'm about to say is macabre and morbid, but it takes energy. It's too much of a to plan. kill yourself. Yeah, it's too much. It's hard. Yeah. If I can't even get the appetite for destruction T-shirt out of the washing machine. I'm not really interested in spending the calories that it takes to 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 physically tear up the psych hospital sheets and make a noose out of it. That's just too much work.
1: Yeah, I, you know, I think most often you see when people are coming out of that motor gyration, maybe we get those patients into the hospital. Maybe they, they're just room bound for a couple of days. They sleep. They're not really socializing at all. Maybe they don't even get up for the first few meals.
0: That's what happens when I show up to the hospital as a staff. <laughs> right.
1: But then, you know, after a couple of days, maybe they see somebody out of the corner of their eye uh, on the first meal, and maybe they socialize a little bit, and maybe they're prompted to get up, and maybe they maybe they may even make a group, Isaac, and they start to kind of get up and they're, they're, motion, they're they got some motion going, and maybe they've come to talk to the nurse about a couple of medications. That's when they're super dangerous, right then. Right. Because they figure, you know, I, I just don't know if it's worth it. I mean, I'm looking around, and I remember going to bed thinking it wasn't worth it, and kind of just lying there. Now that I'm up, it doesn't look that much better.
0: Yeah, no, I'll just go back to my segmented and disrupted and awful sleep.
1: Well, or, maybe, as well. or maybe I won't. Maybe I'll start to figure out how to how to make a noose out of those hospital sheets. Or it's not that hard. Or maybe I'll start to say, you know, I'm way better and I appreciate you guys' help and I feel way different now. And, of course, I want to go to the outpatient program.
0: Yeah, I'm ready to make some calls, make some reconciliations with those strained relationships and let's start rebuilding here.
1: But then that patient goes home and then three days later you get this horrible phone call or an email. and
0: Yeah, and and we're sitting in a, uh, in a root cause analysis meeting. Yeah. Trying to difficult. figure out what we did.
1: The, you know the truth is, people that are going to complete that have that mindset that are just they cannot reconcile anything ever getting better. It, suicide's easy, man. It's just easy. And it if you really, really is. Yeah, if you really want to do it, you're going to get it done. So, and
0: and I'll tell you one thing: uh, suicide is easy. Deciding not to commit suicide is way harder work yeah. than it is to commit suicide it takes a whole lot more cal- caloric expenditure and you know mental gymnastics to to make up your mind we're like okay today i'm not going to kill myself
1: and there's so much work i think that goes in you know we talked last week you know my little scale of i think there was a Dimmu Borgir
0: song starting in the background there was definitely something there was some black metal i'm but,
1: okay with it you know that what I talked about last week, the that little scale that I have, that one to four, I think once you really get to that three and a half and a four, you've, you've reconciled those relationships and you've made some big, big life decisions, nobody else really gets into that space and no one really understands where you're coming from and you don't really right. want to share it or try to get right. anyone to get some, some perspective on that. And it's hard to come back from that. You know, once you get there, it's hard to reel those people back in.
0: It it really is, and another one of those myths that uh, you know we see on television and we pass around among ourselves, you know, as lay people that aren't in the psychiatric field dealing with poop and semen all day. As much as we love the poop and semen, I, I mean, I love a good poop and semen.
1: It's and if they're together, double header.
0: If they're together, I, I just you know I don't even care what happens the rest of the day. My peak <laughs> has been reached. <laughs> but uh, it's, it's, as as I want to touch on. um, we like to on you know sitcoms and television shows to associate depression with eating a lot. You know we've even got this phrase called "I'm going to eat my feelings," and believe me, I've eaten my fair share of feelings. Super salty. Yeah, I'm feeling a quesadilla right now because I got some feelings I'd like to eat it's, right now. You know, it, it's it's going to be good. I might actually make a run. But what you what you usually see with the real deal, major depressive disorder, is that you have a decreased appetite, and a and a lot of that has to do with the, with because carbohydrates actually reduce the production of stress hormones in the bloodstream. Well
1: said. Yes,
0: which is which is why. Garlic bread is so goddamn good. You know what? You know what's, it makes
1: me happy. You know it's full of graham crackers, Isaac.
0: It, it, there's a lot of carbs in graham crackers. Graham huh? crackers, man. Listen, my partner made me two pieces of garlic bread, and I took it to work last night, and everything was okay. <laughs> I ate two whole pieces of garlic bread. That was that, and I was fine. Huh. I was fine. I didn't care what happened. People busted down seclusion room doors. I don't care. Just
1: garlic bread. I love your standard. It's nice and, and achievable.
0: It really is. Just have a piece of garlic. We need to have it on hand at all hospitals so this patient is having a suicidal episode. Who's got the garlic bread? Get the garlic bread. There
1: you go. It's it's a code what what would that could be?
0: Well, it's be a code garlic bread. Feels code like a little long, on the nose. Yeah. You know, but if you
1: call that over the intercom, then you have to get like 60 fucking pieces of it because everybody will want it.
0: Well, okay. There's not going to be a problem because if I call a code garlic bread and every single person from the other units and intake bring in one piece of garlic bread each, I've just cured my unit. Deal, Deal. Everybody's okay. Working magic over there.
1: It's garlic. It's the little things. Is this the real butter or that little fake stuff that they put on the stuff at the bakery?
0: I don't give a shit which one it is. It's garlic bread, <laughs> right? It's uh, all garlic. Bread. I, I, yeah. Uh, you give me the bad garlic bread or good garlic bread. All garlic bread is good. Yeah. No one's gonna bread.
1: judge. They're gonna eat it. They may judge at the end. They're like, well, you know, it wasn't real butter. You mm-hmm. still ate it. Yeah, okay. You still what? ate the garlic
0: bread. Guess what? You're going to seclusion.
1: <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> can, can I take the garlic bread?
0: <laughs> yeah. No kidding. You bring me garlic bread. I'm not worried about killing myself anymore. It's that garlic bread. I'm full of carbohydrates. I'm feeling good. But with these major depressive order, disorder guys, you're going to see a reduce in appetite because we're not chewing up these stress hormones that are produced when you eat all these carbs, when you commit carbicide.
1: You know, you see those people, they'll, they'll skip four, five, six. Eleventy three meals, and you ask me, "Are you hungry?" And like, no, yeah, I'm good. Not really. I'm if good. they answer you at all, you know, there's generally very polite. No, you know, I think I'm 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 not really going to go to dinner. You're like, okay, can I bring you a tray back? Like, I'm good. You can if you want. I'm not going to eat it.
0: What was for dinner tonight at your hospital, Jody?
1: I think that was a Salisbury steak. It looked good. It's pretty good. Yeah, I had this little. Uh, I don't know if it was green beans. I don't even know what it was. It looked good so
0: my hospital tonight served turkey salad sandwiches now
1: i want you to i want you to repeat that to yourself slowly was that on a croissant or just bread
0: it was on wheat bread Mm, listen i'm judging just, just say it to yourself turkey salad sandwich turkey salad sandwich it doesn't feel good it doesn't feel good you can picture it and it's on wheat bread that's probably corrugated <laughs> yeah
1: it's like it's like um if i were in the desert i'd appreciate it <laughs> i mean that's true
0: that's true but like uh, turkey and mayonnaise and like diced probably sweet pickles it was probably dill pickles but i just hate sweet pickles so i'm trying to be it honest i, I
1: make a. a Devastatingly good turkey salad. So I'm a little jaded as to the argument, but I'm going to go with it. I've never eaten
0: anything that Jody's cooked that's been bad.
1: That's true. I am an excellent cook.
0: Yeah, even if he cooked me something with the intention of it being bad, I think it would be really good. <laughs> right. And and uh, you know, now that we're we're talking about these stress hormones and stuff, the the number one stress hormone that's most important in major depressive disorder are, are, is this group of um, stress hormones called glucocorticoids. And I've been talking to people for years, talking to people who don't care about what I have to say, and they usually walk away and they're like, sir, this is a Wendy's.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you can take that glucocorticoid discussion right on down, yeah. down the line there.
0: Sir. Yeah, the police are on the way. You need to bounce. But glucocorticoids uh take a whole lot of forms and in human beings they they take the form of something that we are all familiar with it's called cortisol and that is the stress hormone and specifically what that does we call it the stress hormone is because it depletes the brain's dopamine
1: yeah you know and going back to that ACE study um, You know, Nadine Burke Harris is brilliant, and she I watched one of her speeches, and she's talking about the fight-or-flight hormone and stress hormones. And I love her quote uh, of, you know, when you see a bear in the woods, it inspires the classic fight-or-flight response. It
0: inspires a defecatory response with me.
1: Yeah, you do that all the time, though.
0: Yeah, it didn't have to be a bear.
1: But she said, imagine if the bear comes home every day at 5 o'clock. So you have this repeat... Uh, introduction of these stress hormones, cortisol, and you're just bathing in it just daily. Right. Because you have this repeated stress response and how it begins to affect your overall biologic function. So if we see somebody in, in major depressive disorder that is just bathing in cortisol, basically, it's just releases just constant. Right. It's difficult to to reconcile that physiologically and to begin to overcome that.
0: Yeah. And you know, and that also says something about uh well, it actually doesn't say anything at all about it, but I'm going to segue pretty deeply. We're going to do some mental gymnastics here. But uh, fetal environment, you guys didn't think we were going to get to fetal environment so close to the discussion about turkey salad sandwiches. I totally saw it coming, though. But here we are. Here we are, 90 seconds after turkey turkey salad sandwiches. We're on fetal environment. Uh, uh, a pregnant mother... Who is uh, undergoing extreme stress? Maybe multiple losses of loved ones, loss of a house, loss of a job, being, you know, traumatized, abused, neglected, and all these things. What they're doing is they're is they're saturating the fetus in glucocorticoids. So this this, this child is born, basically having a panic attack.
1: Yeah. You know in that study that Natie Mercer started in San Francisco, I mean, has proven over the last 20 years that people that are experiencing that, you know in the fetus and in early childhood developmental stages are super prone to these chronic health conditions, diabetes, cancer. Um, just across the board, these people are all sicker. The higher your ACEs score, the sicker you are, in most cases,
0: right. Especially if you, if you've what you've done is you've grown a brain. You know, in the in the in the principles of neuroplasticity, if you've grown a brain that thinks that, uh, you whereas a normal person's glucocorticoid count is, and this is not going to be right. I'm just going to use the numbers.
1: Just use millions. It sounds so fancy. Uh,
0: uh, I'm going to use millions. Hold on. Uh, if a quote unquote normal fetus is born, and oh, my glucocorticoid count is supposed to be. 10 million. But then you get this guy who's at 3 trillion. Like, oh, well, that's just how I was, you know, that was my fetal environment. Now I have to continue to keep my glucocorticoid count at 10 million. Man, we have dealt this child a bad hand.
1: Yeah. I mean, do you see it play out? Um, I mean, the research that she has done is just undeniable and we're just really even beginning to crack the egg on it. I'm fascinated with that entire topic and study that she's done because it's really it's like um, you. Someone tells you that there's a star off of Neptune that we've never seen, and it's full of flying goldfish. There, I. There's a lot. Go ahead. And <laughs> it's it's just a concept that you've never considered. And right. when you really see the research, it's it's just so full bodied in in what it is indicating. in... Just overall human development. It's like, you know, I really kind of imagine that. It makes common sense when you're thinking, wow, you know, you take it, a child that's been abused or, or has lost a loved one or maybe had someone incarcerated or had a family that was broken due to divorce. Maybe, maybe they're not going to turn out so well. And maybe we consider that that's going to be some type of emotional or psychological development issue. Maybe we get them a turkey salad sandwich. <laughs> but it ends up being so much bigger. You know, we're talking like real life stuff that we go to the doctor for every day. You know, cancer and diabetes and hypertension and just a malady of just conditions that we treat. Yeah. But we have to wonder, given given the the, the circumstance that they were reared in, and again that 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 fetal development. You know, maybe mom was abused or mm-hmm. you know using or whatever the circumstance was and the rearing of this little thing to actually a person, this walkie-talkie. If we remove that element, what will we have changed the outcome? Uh, there's a couple of different schools of thought on that, you know. We're not going to do the nature-nurture thing, are we?
0: It's good. There's no such thing as nature versus nurture. We've covered that. Yeah. We, we have a person in the room who's not hooked up into a mite. Is there such thing as nature versus nurture?
1: Wow, that was really conclusive. Thank you for your She opinion.
0: really is. Wow. She made a lot of good points. She really did. Yeah. Anybody yeah. that says that, is it nature or nurture, I've dismissed that person as a moron.
1: Well, you know what we'd love is email us. Tell us what you think. And I'll we'll, t- we'll read them all. And I'll tell you you're wrong. Yeah, you will. Be, but you, someone out there is going to be able to convince Listen, if you
0: need them. your in- intellectual snobbery, you've come to the right place.
1: <laughs> well, what would Sapolsky say? I don't know. He would probably
0: say something through a majestic beard.
1: Zapolsky wouldn't even waste your time with such a, such an
0: infantile concept. He'd be like, Pfft. like I have a Ted Kaczynski beard to comb. I've got <laughs> right. things to do. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, you know, and uh, it, it makes me think of this uh, this quote. Uh, I want to say it was Sigmund Freud, and I can't stand Sigmund Freud. I don't subscribe to his. Very many of his philosophies. There's that's, a few things that he touched on.
1: That's not what your mom said. That's goddamn it. <laughs> I walked her right
0: into that one, and I I, I give you that one. You get one free turkey salad sandwich. Perfect. Yeah. He, uh, he said that uh, depression is aggression
1: turned inward,
0: and I thought that was a really permeating syllogism of him to say.
1: I mean, if he never really. Even if all you guys out there discount Freud, and certainly some of his concepts, are, are they're not for everyone, but we can certainly look to him as the father of psychoanalysis, and we did gain a lot, at least from the perspective of seeing people in a different light and asking some questions that we'd never thought to, to
0: I have, ask before. And, I, you know, as a non-Freudian, I, I have to say that I am really sexually attracted to table legs.
1: Okay. <laughs> you know there are some freudian concepts there that are not that are not in question it's it's indisputable it's a fact this boy. but you know if you take freud to me if you take freud as a whole and and accept all of it you, you may be misdirected
0: you know i want to say that i think and and i know that a lot of this is going to be jumping around but i i want to say that i read somewhere doing my research last night between q15s um, that uh, something about twenty to twenty three percent of all major depression is undiagnosed hypothyroidism. Speak to that:
1: Well, you know when we get patients and we always run four tests that we generally don't get hospital screens for a Hospital generally doesn't run an RPR. They generally don't run
0: thyroid. Not everybody's a nurse. What's an RPR?
1: Uh, well, okay, so that's a syphilis test. But what a lot of people don't know is that latent syphilis can cause a just a wreck of your brain, and it could cause among other things. Well, you know, it doesn't start out quite great, and then it kind of goes away, and you're like, "This is no big deal," and then you start getting these huge you know, holes in your brain, and you know, at it, some it, 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 ask Al Capone what he thinks. Okay, let's get him. Can we get him on? We've got uh, a unfortunately, um, he died of syphilis. I'm sorry. But, well, that's the worst news I've heard all day. Yeah. I'm sorry. You're unaware. The, But also thyroid. I mean, if we start going hypothyroid, we're talking about major depressive and, and in some cases even psychosis. So we're always running that level on some people, on on every patient that we get. Right. Well, I guess when I was saying some people, some people can walk in and you're like, hey, you might have a thyroid issue because it presents right. certain physical characteristics. But not always. And yeah. some people that are early onset... That are having a thyroid either crash or storm. You want to get that level. You want to know, hey, is this kind of thing that you're going through maybe physiological? Let's see if we can treat it.
0: And it and it helps to broaden the spectrum of uh, of how to treat somebody who's got uh, these these major depressive symptoms. It's like, okay, you know, at first glance, you know, we're set in our ways. We want to look at an SSRI uh, or something like that. But also, you know, maybe. We'll- what happens if we just give this person some hormone shots?
1: Maybe you just needed synthroid.
0: Maybe the maybe the nurse practitioner himself needs a hormone shot.
1: I've seen that. Uh, yeah,
0: it, it could. It couldn't hurt. <laughs> right. You know, but uh, you know, with major depressive disorder, there's all these components. But basically, what you're hearing is that there's we, we didn't touch on the genetic components a lot, but uh, there are some. Take my word for it. I'm a doctor. And that's not true.
1: Dr. Isaac.
0: Oh, that doesn't even have a good ring to it. Yeah, I would make a bit of her name. Chicago. There. Yeah. Uh, a, a hormonal and environmental and fetal environmental and earthly exposure. And like when we look at a depression case, like, oh, they have depression. Like, like if you guys have a chart that looks at like to take an extra second and think about this huge gamut of things that can cause or exacerbate a major depressive disorder. Do they have hypothyroidism? Uh, what was their fetal environment like? What can I do about that?
1: Yeah, you know, I love in the, the Zapolsky when he's really talking about the, the biophysical um tie-ins to major depressive disorder i love the part in the lecture where he's like you know you don't take a diabetic and go oh my god well with all this insulin stuff just get over it i mean just quit just stop yeah wow well, thanks i'm cured yeah this this insulin thing you're doing it's just ridiculous just i mean come on just get get over that That's come on yeah
0: insulin what a crutch that is <laughs> right
1: so, but when we see depressives, you are like, "Hey, why don't you just get out of bed and just appreciate yeah. life?" I mean, have you have you so tried, much going for you. Man. Have you tried going kayaking? Yeah. Oh, you know what? You need. You need a hobby. Yeah. Here, here's a crystal. <laughs> <laughs> if I see one more person with a crystal, it's just oh, oh my take god, not you. Yeah, not not that crystal.
0: Not the crystal in the room. Different crystal. Nothing to add, but uh, jaunty looks, um, but. It, the wow thinks I'm cured subreddit that you've basically, uh, summarized the entire thing.
1: Don't you have to charge those in a full moon? I think I had a patient that was like, Hey, I have some crystals. I need to charge. It's a full moon tonight. Do you mind if I go outside at midnight? And I'm like, I don't think that's good. Listen,
0: standard issue crystals these days are USB C. You don't have to wait for a full moon. You can just plug them in and in the, oh, the thing in the back.
1: See, I didn't know that.
0: Yeah. As he was playing me is what you're saying. Yeah. As a crystal expert, which I am not. That's a fact.
1: Well, there you go.
0: So that was a whole lot of information about major depressive disorder. And turkey salad sandwiches. There was a little bit of information about them. I didn't see the turkey salad sandwiches myself, but when I took out the trash, I could smell them uh, (laughs) post-mortem after they'd been in that trash can for three or four hours. And let me tell you, um, I extrapolated... The smell of the of the nine thirty p.m. turkey salad sandwiches, having dinner being served at five thirty. It's way different. It's it couldn't be good four hours ago. No. Based on how bad it was. Did you have eggs in it later? Did you
1: put the eggs in the salad?
0: They, there is a very good chance it was hamster eggs. And I realize they're mammals. I know. But you know, I'm not a biologist. Apparently.
1: <laughs> so listen, we appreciate you guys tuning in again for another week of salt precautions. I know it got a little heavy and kind of a little sciencey this week, but it's going to happen. It, it does. It. it does. It's listen, it's just, it's just sciencey sometimes. And, and the things that go into understanding really what a lot of people that are going through, maybe your loved ones or friends or whatever that is. We're just trying to help get out there and identify and see things that are going on and help you to understand kind of, at least have a little perspective of, maybe they're not approachable, maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, just understand where they're at and maybe something that you can do to help them. We're again gonna reach out and to anyone out there that's listening who may be experiencing some depression or having a difficult time and let you know that you're not alone. There is always a number that you can reach it's one eight hundred two seven three eight two five five. They will pick up the phone on the first ring, and they will listen to everything you have to say, no matter how long it is or what it is. They're great people. They've been doing this for a long time, and they can certainly get you pointed in the right direction.
0: They're pretty talented. If you call them and ask them about how to make a turkey salad sandwich, I don't think that's what they're there for. But if you know you're really in crisis, you give them a call.
1: They probably still try to help you, though. They're good people.
0: Uh, I would. Yeah. I appreciate you guys listening.
1: All right. See you guys next week.